Well, this morning, on this last Sunday of 2019, if you have a Bible with you this morning, I would like you to turn to the Old Testament book of Joshua, Joshua chapter 14, and we're going to look this morning at verses 9 through 11. Joshua, the Old Testament book of Joshua chapter 14. I want to read the larger context. I want to read for you verses 6 through 11, but our focus this morning will be on verses 9 through 11. This is what we read. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God in Kadesh Barnea, concerning you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said, These 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. Well, our first point this morning is an important time of reflection. As we meet together this morning, the end of 2019 is not only the end of another year, it is also the end of a decade. This is a very important and unique time for us. We have come not only to the end of another year, but to the end of another decade. It is an excellent time. For us as Christians, as the people of God, to individually ask ourselves, how am I doing and what are my goals for the coming year? If someone were to walk up and ask you that tomorrow, what would you say? How are you doing? And what are your goals for the coming year? Let me ask you, what are your spiritual goals for 2020? You may say, I haven't even thought about it. And, and, and maybe you haven't. But I would challenge you to do so. What are your goals for your spiritual life as we enter a new decade, as we enter another year? But here's what I really want us to think about this morning. What area, or in what area or areas of your life, would you like to see significant change this coming year? In what area or areas of your life would you like to see significant change in the coming year? In the Old Testament, Caleb stands out as an important example, both spiritually and physically. Now, let me give you just a little background. I know some of you are very familiar with the story of Caleb. Some of you are not. 
You may be newer to the faith or not very familiar with the Bible, so let me give you just a little bit of background. In Numbers chapter 13, Moses and Aaron send out 12 spies into the land that was promised to Israel, the land of Canaan. They were to eventually conquer that land, but they hadn't yet. And so Moses and Aaron sent out these 12 spies into the land of Canaan for 40 days to spy it out. And after 40 days, they come back. And all of them say it is a wonderful land. It is a land full of lush vegetation. It is a beautiful land. But 10... Ten of those twelve spies says, we can't take it. We can't. The people there that are living there right now, they are strong. They have fortified cities and they are tall. They're like giants. And we felt like grasshoppers in their sight. And they got the whole crowd of Israel to agree with them. And the people became disgruntled and they began to criticize Moses and Aaron. Wondering why the Lord ever brought them to this place. But there were two spies who brought a completely different report. And their names were Joshua and Caleb. And Caleb is the one who speaks up. And he says, oh no. He says, I want to go up right now and take that land. He said, I believe the Lord is going to give it to us. I believe he will help us to overwhelm them. But the people believed the ten or the bad report of the ten spies, and they did not believe Joshua and Caleb. And so God brought judgment upon the people of Israel from that time on. Instead of going up into the promised land, which was his plan for them at that time, they would wander first in the wilderness for 40 years. One year for every day the spies were in the land of Canaan. And during that 40-year period of time, all of those men who were 20 years old or older were judged by God. They died in the wilderness and would never see the promised land, with two exceptions. The two exceptions were Joshua and Caleb. Because they were faithful to the Lord, because they served the Lord and believed the Lord, God spared them and they would be able to enter the promised land. And so when we come to Joshua chapter 14, the land has been conquered and now they are allotting the land. They're giving out the portions. And Caleb's like, uh, I want the part that Moses said I could have. That hill country that I love so much, that was so good. Remember Joshua Moses said, that was mine. Look at verse 9 again. It says, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever. Now watch this. Because, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. In other English translations, it says, That he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. That he followed the Lord with all of his heart. So Caleb was different. He was different than those ten that brought the bad report because he wholeheartedly loved the Lord and followed the Lord. And so now he is in the promised land and gets to claim that portion that Moses and the Lord had promised to him. But look at verses 10 and 11. So interesting. It stands out in scripture as just this wonderful testimony about this man. 
And it says, and now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. Just as he said, these 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. Caleb says, Joshua, I'm 85 now. He doesn't say, you know, I'm an old crippled man, so give me my land so I can end my years in peace. No, he doesn't say that at all. He says, I'm 85 years old. It's been 45 years since Moses sent me up there when I was 40 years old. And he says, I'm as strong today as I was then. That's what it says. That's what the Bible says. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. You may say, Pastor Tim, how do you take that? I take it literally. I believe that he was as strong at 85 as he was at 40. I don't know all how that happened in his life. But he was. This man was different. He was different. And I want you to be very careful this morning. Very careful. Don't say, well, yeah, but that was back in Bible times. Or they lived longer back then. Not at this point. You study that out for yourself. You come to this point in the book of Joshua, and they aren't living that much longer than we live today. He's 85 And he's as strong as he was when he was 40. I love what one commentary said. It says, Caleb was as full of vigor and energy at 85 as he was at 40, exclamation mark. That's what it says in the commentary. And I believe that. I believe that. Folks, that's why it's recorded for us in the Bible. This man is different. There were thousands of other men alive at that time that were part of Israel, but they aren't recorded. But Caleb is. There was something about his heart. There was something about him physically. His heart for the Lord. His physical condition. Man, he was ready to go after it at 85 years old. And he was. And it pleased the Lord. And so that's why it's recorded for us in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11, it says this. It says, now these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Now, if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it's talking about the sins that the Israelites committed in the wilderness. And we're to learn from them. They're an example to us of what not to do. And they were written down for us. But I believe that what is true of the negative is always true of also true of the positive, that there are powerful positive examples in the Old Testament that we need to read and learn from over and over and over again, and one of them is Caleb. Now, the Old Testament is written primarily as a foundation 
for the salvation plan of God that would find its completion in the New Testament and in Christ. The Old Testament was also written because it has many important prophecies that would come true, that have come true, and that will continue to come through through the end of the ages. But another reason the Old Testament was written, another reason these things were written down, is so they will instruct us because they are examples for us. We are to learn from men like Joshua and Caleb. We are to learn from men like Joseph in the book of Genesis and Daniel. We are to learn from women like Ruth and Esther and Hannah. We are to learn from them. And that is why it is important that we are always, always, always spending time in the Old Testament. It is important. They are lessons that need to be learned over and again. On Wednesday nights, as I've shared with you before, when we have our Bible Institute classes, two different semesters each year, we have a men's class, a men's Bible Institute class, designed just for men to challenge one another as men in the Lord. We're in our sixth year now, in the middle of our sixth years, we'll begin another semester at the end of January. And if there is an overarching theme that we have really focused on these last five and a half years, it is no more excuses. It is to challenge each other as men to stop making excuses. Stop making excuses for why we're not the men that God has called us to be. And the same pertains for women. Folks, because of our sinful natures, we are excuse-making machines. We are. By nature, we are excuse-making machines. I know I should be more faithful to church, but... I know I should be reading my Bible more, but... I know I should spend more time in prayer, but... I know that gossip is a sin, but... I know that I have a critical spirit, but there's always a reason. There's a reason I can't do it. There's always an out for me. What I really want to challenge us in love this morning is there is no area of your life that is exempt from the potential of change in Christ. There is no area of your life that is exempt from the possibility of being changed by God. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, that very familiar verse, some of you have probably memorized this, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So never can we say that temptation was just too strong for me. I couldn't help myself. There's always a way out. In Christ, in Christ, there is always a way out. And no matter what the sinful habit or pattern or issue may be that we are struggling with, with in our lives right now 
God can change it. And he wants to change it. And that brings us to our second point and really the heart of this message. Believing you can change. In Christ, through the life-giving power of his death and resurrection, we can experience genuine biblical growth and change. If you remember nothing else this morning, that's what I want you to remember when you leave. In Christ, through the life-giving power of his death and resurrection, we can experience genuine biblical growth and change. But as I say that, I say it with a sense of fear and trembling. Because I know that some of you and maybe many of you, many of you are struggling this morning. I've spent now almost 30 years in pastoral counseling and discipling. And in those years, I have watched so many people and my heart is broken for them who are struggling. They are engaged in intense, real-life, spiritual warfare in some area or areas of their lives. And they've tried to change. And they've tried to change. And nothing changes. And the most frequent expression that I have heard in counseling and discipling over the years is this. Pastor Tim, I'm just tired. And I feel like giving up. I'm so tired. I've tried to change. I've prayed. I've read scripture. I've cleaned Bible verses. Nothing changes. I'm just worn out. I don't know if I can do it anymore. About a month ago, the pastor of a megachurch, well-known large church, unexpectedly, senior pastor, unexpectedly resigned his position, got up before his congregation on his last Sunday and just said, I'm tired. I'm worn out. And I feel far from God. And he said, at least right now, I just can't do this anymore. Maybe that's you. Maybe that's you this morning. Some area of your life. But there's another group of people for whom change is really hard. I'm convinced that there are people, probably some here today, who have gone to that next step. They don't feel like giving up. They have given up. You've given up. You tried and you tried and you tried and you just said, I can't do it. It's just the way I am. Oh, you still come to church. Occasionally read your Bible. But you're just going through the motions. I believe there are more people that fall into that category than we will ever understand. There's going through the motions of their Christian life. And folks, if we come to that point, 
or we just want to give up. In a sense, we've died. We've died spiritually. Now, I mean that metaphorically. I'm not saying you lose your salvation. I'm not saying that at all. But I am saying as far as change goes, as far as experiencing joy in Christ, you've just died. And I just want to say to everyone here this morning, I believe with all my heart that God wants to renew your strength and renew your energy and enlarge your vision of what he can do through you, just like with Caleb. And that's why I use him as our example. He's not some strange, bizarre person. He was just like us. Just like us. Let me say this again. I believe God wants to renew your strength and renew your energy and, and enlarge your vision of what he can do through you. Let me ask us all a question this morning. How badly do you want to see change in your life in 2020? How badly do you want to see change in your life in 2020? I want to read something for you. It's an excerpt from something that John Piper wrote. I actually read it quite a while ago and saved it for today. It's about change. And when I read it, I found it very convicting for me. And I thought, I'm I'm just going to read it. It's not on the screen because it's a little longer than would fit on the screen. But I thought, hey, if there are some of you who find this helpful, then it will be worth it. It's entitled, Do You Really Want Change? He says, before any Christian says, oh, I've tried to change before and it didn't work, let me ask this. How many of you have ever fasted for three days? Two days. One day. Have you ever taken the word of God, asked for a vacation day, gone away by yourself Friday through Sunday and saturated your mind with holiness and poured out your soul in longing to the Lord for change? Have you ever gathered around yourself two or three spiritual brothers or sisters, shared with them the habit you want to break, sought their daily earnest prayer and made yourself accountable to them? If not, then don't say I've tried and it doesn't work. Paul fasted for three days. Daniel for three weeks. Moses fasted 40 days. Elijah fasted 40 days. Jesus fasted 40 days and spent whole nights in prayer. When was the last time you wanted any change in your life bad enough to spend one whole day in prayer and fasting seeking it from the Lord? The problem with most of us is not that the message of the cross is powerless but that we don't really want to change. The Lord said through the prophet Jeremiah, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you want with all your heart to rid yourself of what is evil and undesirable, God will give you the gift of change. Don't say, that's just the way I am. 
The message of the cross is that your life can be changed. Christ Jesus came into the world to save us from our bondage to sin and Satan. By the power of Christ, you can change. Pressing on to change by God's grace is the lifelong vocation of every Christian. Christian. A critical spirit can be changed. Alcoholism can be changed. Irritability can be changed. Harshness and ingratitude can be changed. Laziness and overeating and masturbation and nagging can be changed. The habits of not tithing and excessive TV watching and gambling can be changed. The fear of talking to others can be changed. The message of the cross is that your life can change. I ask you again, how badly, how badly do you want to see change in your life in 2020? In Luke chapter 1, the angel Gabriel comes to Mary. I just preached on that last Sunday morning. And he tells Mary that she's going to bear a son. And Mary understandably says, how can this be? Since I am a virgin. And Gabriel in Luke chapter 1 verse 37 says those famous words, for nothing will be impossible with God. For nothing will be impossible with God. That may be one of the first verses that many of us ever memorize. Nothing is impossible with God. But you know, we have an easier time believing that verse when it comes to world missions or it comes to some big event. Oh yeah, I believe nothing is impossible with God. But when it comes to some sinful habit or pattern in my life, comes to my marriage, my relationship with my children or some extended family that may not be right, I have a hard time believing that. I have a much harder time claiming nothing is impossible with God. Well, I want to leave you with encouragement as we go forth into a new year and a new decade. 2020 may be one of the most important years of your life if, if, you are willing to change. 2020 has the potential to be a life-changing year for you if, through the life-giving power of Christ's death and resurrection, through the life-giving power of the cross, you are willing to change. How badly do you want change in 2020? Let's pray together. Father, thank you that in Christ we can change. Lord, I pray with great sensitivity this morning. I may be speaking to some who are deep 
in frustration. And they've tried and they've tried and nothing's changed. Lord, my prayer this morning is that you will encourage their hearts. Encourage them that when you died and rose again, you not only saved us from our sin, but you placed resurrection, life, and power within us. And in Christ, in Christ, we can change. We thank you for that. Lord, help us to claim that victory today and in the year to come. In Jesus' name, amen.